For KMBA News, I'm Hannah Bissett filling in for Trip Krause. Governor Mike Dunleavy wants to import Sitka black-tailed deer to the Matanuska Susana area, but it turns out biologists are concerned about the survival prospects and what might happen if they survive. KTNA's Philip Manning talks to Anchorage Daily News reporter Zachariah Hughes. So it's pretty common uh, for the Alaska Department of Fish and Game, ADF&G, to transplant animals. Currently, there's a proposal to move uh, Sitka black-tailed deer into areas of the Matanuska and Susitna Valleys. And staff biologists wrote up a scoping document outlining you know, what that might look like and some of the potential problems that it might bring. And I should say there have been plenty of successful transplants all over the state. And Sitka black-tailed deer are some of the earliest translocated species in the state. A lot of the places that they appear now, like Prince William Sound and Kodiak, those were transplanted colonies. So the idea here is to establish a large enough stable population that they could be hunted by Alaskans for food. Uh, What does Fish and Game have to say about the feasibility of that? This scoping document from the state, which initially the uh, Department of Fish and Game uh, would not release um, uh, through a public records request, uh, we obtained, and it painted a pretty bleak picture of the prospects for relocating deer there. So when I read your article, one of the first things that occurred to me is how much colder parts of the Matsu can be than southeast where these deer originate. Yeah, and that's actually one of the big topics of discussion in the scoping document among the biologists is that deer do survive in Alaska, certainly in, in, in some pretty cold places. But a lot of the factors that allow them to survive in colder years are kind of absent from that area of the Matanus Consistent Valley. And uh, the, the cold really is the biggest problem along with the snow. In Kodiak, they've been observed eating kelp off the beach, which helps them from starving. Uh, there's one sort of dry line in the scoping document that I thought was kind of funny, which is there is no kelp in the Matanus Consistent Valleys uh, or very little of it. Okay. So you've laid out some of the concerns that the biologists had for why the deer population might not be able to be established. But there's also some pretty strong implications in there that even if it were to be established successfully, that there could be some potential problems associated with that. Yeah. One of the interesting things about this report is it paints not just a pretty bleak picture of what the deer's survival prospects are, but it then paints a very in some ways, even bleaker picture of should they survive and thrive the new problems that would be created. And some of those are minor nuisances like deer eating flowers and uh, and gardens out of people's you know private property. Some of them are pretty major, the potential for uh, roadkill. Deer, like moose, are most active around dawn and dusk, which make it really hard to see them on the road. This is an area that already there's around 300 moose vehicle collisions a year. And then the potential for deer to be vectors for parasite and disease transmission. One of the other things that you pointed out in the article was the potential for competition between imported deer and the current moose population for browse. There's plenty of forage out uh, throughout the valley. Uh, It's a, a verdant and productive landscape. But particularly in heavy snow years when, you know, snow is burying willows, shrubs, alders, you know, sources of forage for ungulates, it gets very scarce. And the, the suggestion in the report is not that deer wouldn't do well. 
So we should mention one other thing that you bring up in the article is that this is still a very early stages document and there's not the wheels haven't really started moving all that much on actually trying to do something like this. Yes, uh, this scoping document, as one policy advisor told me and is quoted in the story, this is very, very, very early in the process. So this is could easily just be a 13-page document that lives on a shelf and collects dust somewhere. I thought it was interesting. I thought it was a novel proposal. The other thing that interested me about this is if it's the start of a public process, then the public ought to know about it. Yeah, for sure. Well, Uh, Thank you, Zachariah, for coming on and sharing that with us today. And for KMBA News, I'm Hannah Bissett. Join KMBA News weekdays at 7.30 a.m. and 12 noon for important stories from around the state and more. Connect to the podcast at knba.org.